Chapter Five of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume Two, by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five serves as a supplement to the former. The next morning, Miss Flora opened her lips almost as soon as she did her eyes to talk to Miss Betsy on the design which had been agreed upon between them the day before in relation to mr staple she told her she had employed her whole thoughts about it ever since and that she had found out a way of introducing the discourse so as to give him no suspicion that she came from her yet at the same time take away all his apprehensions of her being in love with mr trueworth and added that she would go to his lodgings immediately after breakfast indeed replied miss betsy sullenly you shall do no such thing i do not care what his apprehensions are or any one else's the men may all think and do as they will i shall not fill my mind with any stuff about them heyday cried miss flora a good deal shocked at this sudden turn what whim has got possession of you now the whim you endeavoured to possess me with said miss betsy scornfully would have been a very ridiculous one i am sure but i have considered better on it and despite such foolish fancies good luck returned the other you are grown wondrous wise methinks at least imagine yourself so but i shall go to mr staple for all this i cannot bear that he should think you are in love with mr trueworth i know no business said miss betsy in a haughty tone you have either with my love or hate and i desire for the future you will forbear troubling your head in my affairs miss flora then told her that what she had offered was merely in regard to her reputation and then ran over again all the arguments she had urged in order to prevail on her to come into the measures she proposed but whatever she said either in the wheedling or remonstrating accent was equally ineffectual the other remained firm in her resolution and behaved in a manner so different from what miss flora had ever seen her do before that she knew not what to think of it having her own reasons however to bring her if possible to a less grave way of thinking she omitted nothing in the power of artifice that she imagined might be conducive to that end all the time they were rising all the time they were dressing did she continue to labour on this score without being able to obtain any other answers to what she said than such as were peremptorily in the negative it is certain that miss betsy was of so soft and tractable a disposition that half the arguments miss flora had alleged would at another time have won her to consent to things of much greater of much greater consequence than this appeared to be but the discovery she had the day before made of her deceit and the little good will she had towards her gave her sufficient reason to apprehend that she had some further designs that she pretended in this project though of what nature it could be was not in her power to conceive the thing in dispute seemed to her extremely trifling in itself but the eagerness with which she was pressed to it by a person of whose treachery she had so flagrant a proof convinced her that she ought not on any account to acquiesce miss flora on the other hand was disconcerted beyond measure at this unexpected change in miss betsy's humour of which she was as little able to divine the cause as the other was to guess the design she had formed but determining to accomplish her point if possible at any rate she endeavoured all she could to dissemble her chagrin and still affected a mighty regard for the honour of miss betsy 
telling her she was resolved to serve her whether she would or not and that how much soever she disapproved it she would pursue her first intention and undeceive mr staple in the opinion he had of her being so silly as to fall in love with mr trueworth miss betsy on hearing this and not doubting but she would do as she had said turned towards her and looking full upon her with a countenance composed enough but which had yet in it somewhat between the ironical and severe replied in these terms since you are so much bent said she on making a visit to mr staple far be it from me miss flora to deprive that gentleman of the favour you intend him provided you give me your promise in the presence of mr goodman and he will be your security for the performance of it that you will mention neither my name nor that of mr trueworth and above all that you will not pretend to have any knowledge of affairs you never have been trusted with however inconsiderate or incautious miss betsy may appear to the reader as to her conduct in general it must be acknowledged that at this time she showed an uncommon presence of mind this was indeed the only way to put a stop and quash at once that scheme which her false friend had formed to do her a real prejudice under the pretence of serving her it is not in words to express the confusion miss flora was in on hearing miss betsy speak in this manner bold as she was by nature and habituated to repartee she had not now the power of uttering one word innocence itself when overawed by authority could not have stood more daunted and abashed while the other with a careless air added as soon as we go downstairs i shall speak to mr goodman about this matter whether miss betsy really intended to put this menace in execution or not is uncertain for miss flora recovering her spirits and her cunning at the same time affected to burst into a violent fit of laughter mr goodman said she mighty pretty indeed you would trouble mr goodman with the little impertinences we talk on between ourselves but do so if you think proper i shall tell him the truth that i made this proposal to you only to try you and but acted the second part of what mr chapfrey had begun you did not imagine sure continued she with a malicious sneer that i loved you so well that for your sake i would hazard my person and reputation by going to see a young gay fellow at his own lodgings as for that cried miss betsy with a look as contemptuous as she could possibly assume i am equally well acquainted with the modesty and sincerity of miss flora and know how to set a just value upon both in speaking these words having now got on her clothes she flung out of the room without staying to hear what answer the other would have made after this these two high spirits had little intercourse never speaking to each other but on such common affairs as were unavoidable between persons who lived in the same house eat at the same table and lay in the same bed how miss flora employed her thoughts will very shortly be seen but we must first examine what effect these late occurrences had on the mind of miss betsy young as she was she might be said to have seen a great deal of the world and as she had a fine understanding and a very just notion of things wanted only to reflect on the many follies and deceits which some of those who call themselves the beau monde are guilty of to be enabled to despise them the last letter she had received from lady trusty made a strong impression on her and casting a retrospect on several past transactions she had been witness of as well as those she had been concerned in herself 
began to wonder at and condemn the vanity of being pleased with such shadowy nothings such fleeting unsubstantial delights accompanied with noise and hurry in the possession and attended with weariness and vexation of spirit a multiplicity of admirers seemed now to her among this number her soul confessed that to encourage the addresses of a sot was both dangerous and silly and to flatter with vain hopes the sincere passion of a man of honour was equally ungenerous and cruel these considerations were very favourable to mr trueworth she ran through every particular of that gentleman's character and behaviour and could find nothing which could make her stand excused even to herself for continuing to treat him with the little seriousness she had hitherto done what then shall i do with him said she to herself must i at once discard him desire him to desist his visits and tell him i am determined never to be his or must i resolve to think of marrying him and henceforward entertain him as the man who is really ordained to be one day my husband i have at present rather an aversion than an inclination to a wedded state yet if my mind should alter in this point where shall i find a partner so qualified to make me happy in it but yet continued she to become a matron at my years is what i cannot brook the thoughts of if he loves me he must wait it will be sufficient to receive the addresses of no other but then how shall i refuse those who may make an offer of them without giving the world room to believe i am pre-engaged thus did she argue with herself the dilemma appeared hard to her but what was the result of her reasonings will best appear in the answer she sent to lady trusty's letter which was in the following terms to lady trusty madam i received the honour of yours and sincerely thank you for the good wishes and advice contained in it be assured madam i have a just sense of the value i ought to set upon them and shall henceforth do the utmost in my power to deserve it i have indeed no parent to direct and but few faithful friends to guide me through the perplexing labyrinth of life i confess i have been too often misled by the prevalence of example and my own idle caprice it is therefore the highest charity to show me to myself i now see and am ashamed of the many inadvertences i have been guilty of the dangers which a young woman like me must necessarily be continually exposed to appear to me from what you say of them in their proper colours and convince me that no person of understanding would condemn me if to avoid so many threatened ills i flew to that asylum your ladyship has mentioned i will own to you yet farther madam that i am not insensible of the merits of mr trueworth nor of the advantages which would attend my acceptance of his proposals but i know not how it is i cannot all at once bring myself into a liking of the marriage state be assured of this that i never yet have seen any man whom my heart has been more inclined to favour and that at present i neither receive nor desire the addresses of any other there is no answering for events but in the way of thinking i now am it seems not improbable that i shall one day comply with what my friends take so much pains in persuading me to in the meantime i beseech you to believe i shall regulate my conduct so as to ease you of all those apprehensions you are so good to entertain on my account i am with a profound respect madam your ladyship's most obliged and most devoted servant e thoughtless miss betsy also answered her brother's letter at the same time 
but the purport of it being much the same with that she wrote to lady trusty there is no occasion for inserting it End of chapter five